0: Welcome to season two of a Lidditz podcast. To kick off episode one, Kelly Martin is back in the guest chair to provide an update regarding this year's 4th of July celebration in Lidditz. We spoke to her a few months ago, but a lot has changed since then.
1: I'm very lucky I, I have a wonderful committee of people that were unanimously for going forward, full steam, having the faith, being optimistic that we would be able to hold this event.
0: Thanks for listening. Now on with the show. So welcome Kelly Martin. We're preparing for the big day here uh, July 2nd and July 3rd this year and uh, we're coming out of COVID and we're going to have an in-person celebration. And Kelly, let's begin with July 2nd. Tell us about that date and, and what can guests expect?
1: If you're looking for a return to the old normal, I would say July 2nd is definitely your cup of tea. We're excited to welcome back Flame and Dick and the Hot Rods. Yes, that is the real band name. If you're not familiar with them, look them up. They're great. They've been coming to Lit It's July the 2nd or July 3rd, whatever night, the, the night before program falls on for many years. Um, they know the, the town. They know the crowd. They're, they're always a good show. So their concert starts at 7 p.m. And then they'll do a first set and then we will have the Queen of Candles pageant or program during their intermission this year. So we've talked about moving the Queen of Candles over for several years. We thought this is the year to try it with things kind of being a little different at the tail end of this pandemic. Um, This also allows us to give a lot more reverence to the candles, to this program and not feel so as people are moving out to the fireworks field. So we'll have Flame and Dick and the Hot Rods for one set, Queen of Candles during the intermission, and then Flame and Dick and the Hot Rods will come back on for a second set, and the whole evening should wrap up around 9.30, 10 o'clock. Okay,
0: so, so I understand there's free admission. Um, is there going to be any uh, food
1: tr- food trucks or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. There is free admission on July 2nd. There's no wristband needed, no ticket needed. There's no capacity restrictions. So we encourage people to come out to that night, come out, enjoy the music, see Queen of Candles. If you're, if you're not familiar with it, or if you're new to town, come out and see what this important tradition is all about. We will have food trucks in the park. We usually have maybe six to eight, up to 10 sometimes food trucks, all different varieties. So come down, get something to eat hang out with people, enjoy some good music, have fun. And historically,
0: the Lidditz Lions Club did the night before activities, including the street parade, which of course isn't happening this year, and the uh, concert oh. in the park after that. So why did the 4th of July committee decide to take over the night before activities this year? What, what prompted that decision?
1: Yeah, you're right. This has always been a good collaboration between the July 4th committee and the Lidditz Lions Club. We've been in contact with them since early last fall and early in the winter when we start planning this event. They knew pretty early on that they were not going to be able to get the permit from PennDOT to close the road for the parade. So they decided, you know, to nix the parade and the concert so we approached them and said, hey, would you mind if we kind of took over just for this year, just to keep the concert going, because we knew we wanted to try moving Queen of Candles over to that night as well. So it was always an understanding that this would just be for this year, since things are a little different with not having the parade um, a lot of things are already in motion anyway for the big event the next day as far as lining up the food trucks. We've already got security on hand. We've already got the decorations up. We've got porta potties and, and everything else in place that it takes to, to make this big event. So it was a pretty seamless thing to kind of take over for this year. But we're very excited about returning it to the Lions Club next year and having it be a part of the, the parade and the concert all in one thing for them.
0: All right, great. And going going back to Queen of Candles page, I understand it'll be a little different this year. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Um, th- of course, the fact that it'll be not on the main celebration day. And uh, for, for those maybe that are not familiar with the Queen of Candles pageant, what is it? And, and how are the uh, the girls selected? And just kind of give us maybe a little bit of history on that.
1: Sure, sure. Well, you are the history buff, so correct me if I get any of these details wrong. You probably even know better than me. But this is the 80th year for the Queen of the Candles program. The Queen of the Candles is a court of 12 young ladies from the graduating class of Warwick High School, plus one crown bearer and one flower girl. Is that right? Yeah. Um, (laughs) They are selected by their classmates. There is a form that goes out into homeroom and classmates are asked to select whoever they think should be in the court. And no one knows who the winner is until the very t- moment that it's announced. Um, only the Littits Women's Club and their coordinator for the Queen of Candles knows who the, who the winner is for that night. So it's a very special program. It really means a lot to the community. These girls are often chosen because they are so involved with their community, with work, with nonprofit groups, with civic groups. Um, And just generally well-rounded nice girls. Um, We're really happy that it's been a part of the July 4th tradition for so many years. And we're happy to see that it went on last year and can continue this year. So this year the program itself will be the same as in past years. We're just moving it to the Friday night before instead of the Saturday during the event. Um, Again, this is something we've talked about doing for many years, but just wasn't sure how it would how it works. So we decided, again, this is the year to try it. Try something different. Try something new. Um, One of the main reasons we wanted to try this was because we felt like it was getting so rushed in past years. Um, We have a little bit of a conundrum being July 4th in that we have a lot that needs to happen during dark hours and not that much dark hours Um, the sun doesn't set until after 9 p.m. on the on that date and we're trying to fit a lot of things into a short amount of dark time so a few years ago we tried moving it earlier and it was still light out when the candles were lit and that wasn't great um, if we move it too late, then people are rushing to go out to the fireworks field or fireworks go too late. And then we run up against noise ordinances and then all that kind of stuff. So we thought, let's try it. Let's see how it falls on different nights. That way we can really give reverence to both the queen of candles, the candle lighting, and then the fireworks on the next night. Um, I really think that there is nothing like looking down from the head end of the stream to see all of those candles lit up. And there's a lot of work that goes into it. If you're down there in June, you see in the park that the structures are already being set up. Um, It takes a ton of work, weeks of setup. And it was sad to us to see people barely giving it notice or rushing out to the fireworks field. So we feel like this way, it will really... Be able to get the reverence that it deserves having its own night.
0: And it seems like there's a lot of new people in Lititz because going back to a certain Facebook page, a lot of people have been asking, what's that canal set up in the park? Or what are these things for? What are that things? For? I mean, it, 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 I, I you know, hey, welcome to Lititz. But uh, yeah, I was kind of dumbfounded. Maybe I'm just being yeah. naive.
1: <laughs> i know i think we all went into hiding for that year and a lot of people moved in and we didn't realize but right i, right. I, I i'm so encouraged to see the people online who are being welcoming and providing simple information not everyone is is uh you know treating it that way but uh but we just try to i would i would take this my little psa here i would say remember what lititz is about let's be welcoming neighbors to new people uh, you know give them the history invite them to come to the to the celebration let them see what it's all about so
0: <laughs> and and uh Maybe I'll cut back on uh, posts having to do with Taco Bell, right?
1: <laughs> oh, you know, we're, I I can't wait for that Taco Bell to get up, and then we don't have to hear
0: about it anymore. <laughs> if, if if the advertising is any indication, that's going to be the busiest Taco Bell in the U.S. I mean, yeah,
1: I I feel like I need to take some kind of nod from them to how to how to get you know get people excited and and jazzed up about something.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, going back to your comment about the history, I have here that the first celebration, of, of, I should say the first Queen of Candles was in 1942. So if you count <laughs> if you count that date up to 2021, I believe it is 80, right? Am I doing that? I, I mean, believe I, so. Yeah. I
1: just go back in the booklet the year before and see what it was. It was seventy-eight, seventy-nine 78, 79 last year? So this year would be 80th. <laughs> yeah, okay.
0: And, yep. and also to clear up some more confusion, uh, confusion, having to do with the Queen of Candles, um, again, I, I I read things on Facebook and I don't take them to heart, so I want to go right to the source. Will there or will there not be a Queen of Candles parade? And if so, what exactly will that look like?
1: Sure, it's funny you bring that up. We just had our last July Fourth committee meeting this past week, and we discussed should we change the name. It's not; it is a parade, but it's not a parade. We're we're going to call it a procession. It's the Queen of Candles Corvette Cruise, um, something like that. So the girls will be in Corvettes from the from Lancaster Corvette Club, and they will process or have a cruise around town. It'll be a short kind of um, kind of procession or parade, if you want to call it. It will be the same route as 2020. Streets will not be closed. There will not be any other floats or patriotic kind of decor things, celebration, things like that. It will just be the Queen of Candles Court, all 12 girls the flower girl and crown bearer, and last year's queen, Riley Diffenderfer. So we will just be that. We will have a few police vehicles and fire trucks to escort us, but no streets will be closed. Um, and it will just be the queen of candles, which we learned last year when we were trying to salvage what we could of July 4th and really felt like it was important to do queen of candles. We learned from, from those girls how important the parade was to them. So it's really important for us to acknowledge that, give those girls that special moment Around town on the Corvettes as much as we can. So even though there was no large Lions Club parade plan, we we felt it was really important to go to the police and the fire and say, "Can we still do this again this year?" And there was no hesitation on their part. They were very willing to jump in, you know, man, s- send their people to to participate in this, to lead it, to follow it up, um, and to they even come out and do a little bit of um, of street control there and try to let us all through as a processional. So we're really grateful to to Littesboro police and fire company for aiding in that. And, um, that will take place at five 30 on Friday night. I'm sure there will be plenty of people out and about at five 30 rush hour on the Friday before a big holiday. That's wonderful, but, uh, that's when it timed out. It will take about, 30 to 45 minutes, and then we'll arrive back at the band shell where the girls can get changed or freshen up and then participate in the program at 8 p.m.
0: All right, great. So moving on to the actual July 3rd celebration day. Uh, Of course, this year it's going to be in person, which is just absolutely wonderful. I noticed and was seeing a lot of things online that the capacity is limited to 12,000 guests so why why limit capacity to 12,000 guests for that day
1: sure yeah that was something we've talked about a lot I said recently it feels like we've redesigned this event three times over Um, I go back to when you know we started this plan when we started really seriously planning in January and February it wasn't looking at all like we could have this event at all this year Um, By March, we decided we have to make our our yay or nay decision. And I'm very lucky I I have a wonderful committee of people that were unanimously for going forward full steam, having the faith, being optimistic that we would be able to hold this event. So we decided to go forward. So then we thought, well, what does that look like for us? How can we still make it safe? So initially, and I presented a bunch of um, restrictions and, and modifications and things like that. At the March Lidditzboro um, Council meeting, that was all approved. At that time, they approved a capacity of ten thousand people. We did a whole study of the park, and I may have touched on this in, my, in the first episode. Um, that you know we have we have a full capacity of over twenty thousand. So even fifty percent capacity is is about thirteen thousand for us. But what most people might not realize is a typical July Fourth event falls anywhere from 10, to 11, maybe up to 12,000. I think the year of the 200th, back in 2017, we were close to 15,000 then. Um, but a 12,000 capacity is a pretty normal July 4th. And that's what we felt comfortable handling as far as our security staff, being able to get volunteers. You know, we're in the same boat as, as a lot of businesses and other nonprofits and event planners right now as far as not being able to get as many people to work, even food vendors, everybody is short-staffed. The last thing we wanted to do was open up the floodgates and you know, have masses of people coming and not be able to handle the crowd size. So 12,000 is what we agreed on. We felt comfortable with. That's what we, we discussed with the local police, fire, EMS, and everybody was comfortable with that number. So that's where we decided to, to land on.
0: So it sounds to, it sounds to me like, Anyone who, you know, wants to go and gets a ticket before the date will most likely be able to get a ticket, right? I mean,
1: yes, most likely. That's what we anticipate. Traditionally, it's been almost 50-50 as far as people that pre-purchase their ticket or purchase the day of, and we're seeing that trend continue with the pre-purchase available. So, um, yeah. we're expecting a lot of last-minute um, ticket sales because people people wait for the weather, which we understand. Um, but there, but there will be a little bit more hustle than at the last minute if you're waiting to buy your tickets.
0: This is actually kind of a two-part question. Uh, what if ticket sales fall below 12,000 before July 3rd? And uh, piggyback onto what's the absolute last day to order tickets online because you can't get them at the gate this year.
1: Right. So this is another thing we discussed at our meeting. Um, we do have a plan B in place if ticket sales fall below 12,000 we decided to go ahead and order a few credit card machines to have a one centralized place that people could purchase a few day of tickets. If depending on where we are in that number, we may not be able to do it. If we're getting close to 12,000, even if we're between 10 and 12,000, we probably will cut ticket sales off and say, that's it. We, the park is, the park is able to make enough money to go on for the next year. We've met our fundraising goals this is what our event is going to be. Um, We certainly don't want to face the scenario of having to turn people away at the gate, so we have discussed having one centralized day of ticket sales location, but it will most likely be a very limited number, if any at all. Um, So uh, we encourage people to not wait until the last minute. Don't count on showing up the day of and still being able to enter. Um, the very last absolute day to order tickets online, if you need them mailed to you, it will be June 22nd, June 22nd. If you need them mailed to you, we will keep the online ticket portal open until 9 PM on July 2nd. We will also be selling them in the park during the Flamin' and Dick and the Hot Rods concert at our information booth. So there will be whatever's left. Hopefully we'll go that night. And um, if you are coming from out of the area or you don't have time to do one of the ticket pickup times, there will be a will call window on both the evening of July 2nd and the morning of July 3rd to pick up your wristbands if you purchase at the last minute.
2: Outside of the park, um, there's a house decorating contest. This is the second annual. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? And have you seen any of the houses so far?
1: Sure. I actually have a quick update on that. Um, the deadline to register for the house decorating contest was June 14th. Unfortunately, this year, we did not get as much participants as we had last year. Seems everybody is kind of back back in the grind, back to work, getting busy, maybe starting to travel some more. Um, so last year, it really was a great um activity for everybody while we were all kind of locked down and not sure what the summer was going to hold this year we didn't get as much of a response we only had eight participants register so we've decided to um, waive the registration fee and we're just going to go with making it a community activity Um, So we will still put out a map. We will still put out the addresses that people can go around, check out those that have registered. And there will be a simple voting form online if people want to go on and vote. But we're just going to vote for one best overall instead of the several categories that we had. Um, So we will still award a prize and one overall winner that will be announced on Friday night just before the Queen of Candles. And there will be the voting form and the map online. Let's see a favorite that I've seen so far. I hate to play favorites and I don't want to sway anybody's opinion, but I have to give a little shout out to the house on the 300 block of East main street. They always do a fantastic job for Christmas and for 4th of July yeah. Um And their registration form said that their theme was patriotic with some history and humor mixed in, which I really loved. And I'm excited to I just passed it briefly the other day, but I'm excited to go down and take a closer look because I know that they always have little details that you don't always see. Just driving past. It's it's neat to kind of stand on the sidewalk across the street and take in all the little details that they've thought thought a lot about.
0: All right. Sounds great. Yeah. I uh, I, I pass that house almost mm-hmm. every day and I haven't had a chance yet to get out of my car and actually study it up close like like you said, but I definitely
2: will before before mm-hmm. July. Yeah. So can you tell us about July third? What guests can expect as far as like the great blanket run of 2021, uh, music, what certain kind of food trucks there are. Um, what about uh, some of the, what about some of the other entertainment and fireworks?
1: Of course, I've got a ton of information. And if you don't catch this all while I'm talking, please go to let fourth of July. That's the number four th let of July of com, And all this information is on there as well. Um, I'll start with the blanket run right at the top of the day. So this is, this to me is just a hilarious little tradition and something that is so uniquely lit. It's, um, I've gotten a few emails or phone calls lately that have said, what is this blanket run? What is this about? Um, so I, I've had to respond to people, you know, it's nothing competitive. It's nothing, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> over, you know, too crazy. It's just this funny little tradition that's sort of evolved. Um, so the blanket run is a time for People from the general public who are planning to come to fireworks to line up early in the morning and run, walk, sprint, cartwheel, skip hop your way into the park, however you would like, and grab I'm def- your I'm seat. Definitely
0: gonna, I'm definitely going to cartwheel myself. <laughs>
1: cartwheel. I- I'll be there with a the video camera. We'll get okay. Corey Van Broekhoven <laughs> cartwheeling into the park at uh-huh. 8 a.m. on July 2nd. Uh-huh. <laughs> or July 3rd. July 3rd, sorry. Uh-huh. Um So the Blanket Run, you know, you can come and grab your seat. Some people love to be right up front, first row. Some people have their spots like halfway back or or next to this light pole or on second base or wherever it it falls um, that you have your usual spot. So um, that's always a fun time, and it just cracks me up every year. So what we're doing a little differently this year is we're opening up the first hour to our volunteers and our committee members, people who have dedicated and donated their time to this event, Um, we wanted to do a little something extra, a little um, thank you to them. So from 7 to 8 a.m., it will be open just to volunteers and committee members. They will have to present their participant wristband to access the field during that first hour. And then from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m., it will be open to the general public to come in, lay your blankets down, put chairs around the band shell if you want to, grab your spots. Um, You'll notice on the website there is an updated map this year. We have a slightly different Um, field layout than we had in 2019. As you'll remember, that was the first year we had to change the whole layout. We had to move our our launch zone, our drop zone onto park grounds instead of next door at the old Wilbur property. So that presented a ton of challenges, but it was a great um, first year to see how this would work, what worked, what didn't, what do we need to change and update. And we feel like this new update, slightly different, same idea though, um, should kind of iron out some of those wrinkles that we went through in 2019. So there will actually be two different viewing areas this year. One we're calling the park side and the rec side. So there'll be two entrances for the blanket run this year, both at the fireworks gate, which is at the rec center, and also at the Boy Scout gate, which is at the top of the park, back by Maple Street near the Warwick High School District Office. So people can actually line up at two separate gates we will let everybody in at the same time. You know, open them both up at 7 a.m. for volunteers, 8 a.m. for the public, and um, you know, you can pick your pick your seat on either side. So this will be important this year. There will not be a pathway connecting the two different viewing areas. So you need to decide with your group, with your family, with your neighbors, whoever you're planning to sit with, which side of the viewing area you'd like to sit on, and put your blankets in that area. You can exit the park via Maple Street walk to the rec center or vice versa if you need to access the other side. But um, during the event, there will not be a pathway open between the two parts. So it's very important to decide ahead of time which side you want to sit on. There's plenty of seating on both sides. So we're not worried about running out of seating. Um, And this was initially one of the ideas that came about as trying to establish social distancing early on. Um, Obviously, that's a little more relaxed now, but people are also more used to it. And I expect to see that probably on the field this year that guests will naturally kind of place their blankets a little further apart than they have in the past. Maybe, maybe we'll see. Everything I've kind of anticipated or guessed about this year has been slightly wrong going forward. So who knows, you know, we, we we plan as much as we can and try to anticipate what people are do, people will do and they always surprise us. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) we'll go with it. We'll see what happens. Um, The park needs to totally be emptied by 11.30 that morning. We do a security sweep from 11.30 to 12. And then our gates officially open at 12 noon. So that's kind of the overall of the blanket run. If you have any questions about that, um, there is a lot of information, like I said, on the website. Message us through Facebook. Send us an email. Things like that. Moving on to music and everything that happens once the gates fully open, we have three entrance gates within the park plus the fireworks gate at the rec center for the evening. Um, we'll kick off festivities actually with the Baby Parade this year, and we're still looking for participants for the Baby Parade. So if you haven't signed up and you're thinking about it, there is a link to sign up on the website as well. Um, and I think there's some information out there on Facebook. So the Baby Parade is a really fun, cute, l- quaint, lit tradition. Um, you know, decorate a stroller, decorate a wagon, a bicycle, whatever you'd like, and, um, and make it as patriotic and, and as lit focused as you can or you want to. And there will also be a registration in the park from 12 to 1230 as soon as the gates open on July 3rd. So you can also register the day of Um, the baby parade will take place around the band shell. And there will be three judges, including the newly crowned Queen of Candles from the night before. She will be one of the judges for the baby parade the next day. Nice. Yeah. And um, and then we will crown the baby parade winner. Um, the entertainment at the kids zone kicks off at twelve thirty, and they will have different entertainers and kids programs from about twelve thirty to four or four thirty that afternoon. They will have um, face painting, caricatures, different um, games, prizes, things you can win, all down in the kids zone all afternoon. Over at the band shell, we'll kick off everything at one p.m. with our opening ceremony, which traditionally includes a singing of the national anthem the national bell ringing. Um, we, per- we have the mayor, Mayor Snyder, participate in that with us and um, the president of the park board. We'll go right into a performance from the New Holland Community Band and that will be followed by a performance from a local band, Nearly York, who's been playing a lot in the area. They played, I think, three two years ago out on the field. We've invited them back. Um, Later in the afternoon, we have the Air National Guard Band, and we're very excited about the Patriotic set that they will play. We think that'll be a really good fit into this event. And then our headliner that night will be Light Up the Moon. Um, We chose a very kind of simple, uh, fun, non-specific band this year to just meet everybody's needs. We thought this is the year everybody just wants to go out, hear some good music, hear some tunes that they recognize have fun, dance, sing, whatever. Um, So we think that Light Up the Moon will will be a good fit for for that need this year. Over in the food court, we've got about 20 food trucks coming into the park, which is our typical. We'd have between 18 and 22 some years. Around 20 food trucks in the park, all varieties. Great choices for lunch, for dinner, for snacks. And over in the rec center parking lot, we'll also have an additional five to six food vendors up there. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have additional porta potties and, and facilities up in the rest in the rec center as well. So that will be a fully functioning um, all in one kind of um, back over towards the kids zone. Once that step wraps up, we will have um, what's called the lawn, which is an area of adults that takes place from five to eight p.m. We'll have some yard games out there: cornhole and nine square in the air. Um, Grace Church is participating to help with some things for that zone. And we'll have a coffee truck and a lounge area out there as well. Um, Of course, this all leads up to the big highlight of the night, which is out on the fireworks field. We will have the DJ dance party with Ronnie Ramon from Fun 101.3 starting around 9 p.m. And we'll shoot fireworks um, sometime between 9.30, 9.45, depending on when we can close all the gates, get everybody in safely, and we're all set. So we're shooting for 9.30, but it might be 9.45 if we have some stragglers, which we tend to do. Um, and if you've never seen the fireworks, it's just amazing. I, I can't describe it. You just have to come and see it for yourself. Um, there are very few places that do fireworks, a full fireworks show set to music, and we are one of them. We are so fortunate that we live in a location that has such contacts with the concert industry, that Claire Global and Stray Production Services and Four Wall all give of their time and talents, resources and employees to this event. We could not do this event without them and everything that they bring to it. Um, We have a lot of fun coming up with a theme each year for fireworks. I will tell you this year's fireworks very much fit with our theme of go forth. We are not looking backwards. We are not lamenting on what we've been through. Um, Everyone knows it was tough. It was bad. It was, I'm just going to say it, it sucked. Um, It sucked to have to give up last year. But we are looking forward. We are going to go forth. We're excited about moving forward. Um, And I can promise you that there will be plenty of fireballs. And there is one new surprise element that we've added in this year that you'll just have to come and see. Well, I mean, that
0: was uh, a lot of great information. And just the fact, too, for those that may not be aware or forgot, you know, we're everyone so thankful that um, the fireworks, uh, you know, can remain in the park or near the park.
1: Yeah, that was something that was really up in the air for a while. I mean, yeah. I remember there was times we had this is the last year for fireworks. And, um, you know, it took a lot of people, a lot of work, tons of meetings, a lot of creativity, but there was, there was a plan in place set up for 2019. We tried it. It we've tweaked it. We, I think we've made it even better for this year. And I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that I was able to come on to this event at a time when, you know, to be a part of those discussions, to be a part of keeping it, keeping it here and keeping it going. And um, I'm just I'm really grateful. I don't know what we would do in Lidditz on July 4th without fireworks. It it would be a whole different thing. So um, and it is and I I will remind people, too, that it is the fundraiser for the park. Um, It would not be nearly so lucrative. It would not make our year to be able to keep up with the park grounds. if We did not have this event and specifically the fireworks as part of that event.
0: So what you're saying is the best viewing area to see the fireworks is
1: to to pay an admission (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> right to be on the field or in the rec center field. <laughs> yeah. So part of miles, it's not
0: several miles No, away, <laughs> up, up on a hill or okay. Just,
1: just part sure. of right. Part of the the compromise, I guess, in having to move it over to the park grounds was we did have to drop down in shell size. Um, you know, we used to be able to shoot really, really high, huge fireworks. Um, moving it right in front of people, essentially, this close to an audience means we are. We're still doing high fireworks and the average Joe Schmo like you and me would not be able to tell the difference. Our fireworks company who that is what they totally nerd out about and love that stuff. You know, they have a threshold of they say we have to be able to do this size in order to make it have the most variety, have it a great show. So we've been able to keep it at that size. But by doing that, it's a lower show. It's more of a ground show. um, And you're really not getting the whole thing if you're not right there on the field watching it. Um, you know, it's all synced up with the music. So the further away you go from it, the more out of sync with the music it's going to be, if you can even hear the music at all. I understand there are people with, even myself, when I had younger kids, you know, very young kids and fireworks don't always mix. So maybe you still want to have a little bit of that fireworks show, but without scaring your kids or it's their bedtime, or you have pets that, you know, need need you to be with them. We understand those situations, but we hope that if you're coming out to downtown Lidditz, that you're coming into the park and really seeing the show at its full potential. I remember I came back, I think it was in 2013 after my kids were a little older because my niece was in queen of candles and I stayed for the fireworks and I thought, wow, this is it. I'm never going to anywhere else for fireworks on July 4th. There was nothing like it. um, And I haven't since. So it's been, it's been amazing. I'm so proud of the show that we put on in, in conjunction with Celebration Fireworks who those guys are out there for two days in the hot sun, setting everything up, setting all the pyro pieces. We have thousands and thousands of pieces that all are set that are, you know, set computerized to the music to fire at exact times and, and locations and things like that. So I can't say enough about the work that they do and the the great shows they put on for us every year.
0: And just a reminder to our listeners again, that the fireworks show on July 3rd will not be broadcast on TV. However, the Queen of Candles pageant will be. Uh, Do you want to just kind of mention that or kind of go over that just for uh, 30 seconds or so just to remind viewers that they won't be able to see the fireworks display live on, on TV?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So just as a reminder to everybody too, traditionally the fireworks and a lot of the program on during the main July 4th celebration would be broadcast on Blue Ridge Cable. We're not able to do that this year due to the differences in the dates and the way that the program fell this year. Um, But everything on Friday, July 2nd, will still be broadcast on Blue Ridge Cable. So if you want to catch the Flaming Dick and the Hot Rods concert and Queen of Candles, that will be broadcast on Blue Ridge Cable Eleven. If you traditionally watch fireworks through Blue Ridge, that will not be broadcast this year, so make sure you have a plan in place to see fireworks elsewhere, come down to the park if you're able, Um, but make sure, we just want people to know that it will not be broadcast on Blue Ridge Cable this year.
2: You know, with uh, a week out, basically, is there any uh, last minute volunteer opportunities still available? Um, And if so, how can they get in touch?
1: There are just a few left, only a handful. We do have a sign up sheet, a link on our website, lidits4thofjuly.com. It will take you right to the sign up sheet. You can check out what, um, what slots are still available. And then we have a volunteer training the week of the event, that Monday night. You would get your participant wristband and an event staff t shirt. Um, But they are almost full. So be sure to check the link, see if there's anything left out there. And we are very grateful to all our volunteers. It takes I think we counted up, you know, 150 volunteers at one point to make this event happen. And we're so grateful to them that they give up a couple hours on their holiday. You know, they stand out there and direct traffic or direct gates, take wristbands, things like that. Um, it's it's amazing the people in this town, and we have a lot of repeat volunteers, which we're we're really amazed at, and and we're really grateful for. So, thank you. A little shout out to all the volunteers, everyone who has already signed up. We appreciate it. No
2: yeah, I, I want to give a, a shout out to a special volunteer that I, I hear that possibly emceeing this year. Do you know oh anything?
1: <laughs> i forgot to mention that and the most important part of the entertainment yeah. our mc mr Lidditz himself Corey van brookhoven ladies and gentlemen ah. oh
0: my i didn't i didn't i didn't tell tim to say that and i didn't say it either
1: <laughs> uh, that's but- right i'll give you i'll give you your kickback tim yeah that's fine
2: <laughs> yeah i think that's important i think uh, having uh mr Liddits himself uh being the MC, i'm really excited and I know it's. This is what your second year doing, this Corey, but I think it's it's really uh, exciting.
0: something wow. like that. I, I don't know. I I you know my head's going to be so big, I won't be able to fit <laughs> through that dressing room. <laughs> perfect,
1: perfect. De- That's what we want to hear. <laughs> I'm
0: debating what I'm what I'm going to do. I'm going to have some some costume changes and and maybe I, I don't know. I'm still kind of working on the act.
1: That's so exciting. It's See, fun. even the chair of the committee didn't know that. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Uh, there will be costume changes well, and theatrical nonsense shenanigans i guess on the stage we're excited for that you know so that's what we've come to know and expect we we wouldn't we it wouldn't be the same without the hawaiian shirts for sure exactly (laughs) exactly
0: so rain dates okay just so everyone knows talk about (laughs) rain dates for the second and for the third
1: Sure. So rain dates for July 2nd. Um, there would not be a rescheduled Flame and Dick and the Hot Rods concert if that night does get rained out. We would hold Queen of Candles on Sunday night, July 4th, around 8 p.m. or 830 at the shell, as soon as it starts getting dark so that there is a rain date just for Queen of Candles. Um, The rain date for the large event, for Saturday's event, would be Monday, July 5th, which is the national holiday. People always wonder why it's never on the Sunday. According to the Moravian bylaws, and as a reminder, the Moravian Church owns Liddick Springs Park, there are to be no ticketed events or or things that have a a sale or um, a price attached to it on a Sunday in Liddick Springs Park. Sunday is a free day for everyone to come out. And we have respected that for 204 years now. So the event has never been on a Sunday. Um, so our event now is on a Saturday. Our rain date is on Monday. So we hope, we we always hope we never have to engage that rain date. Um, and I'm myself personally a stickler for pushing through, we've, the first two years I did this event, we had rain both times Um, and we pushed through and we got through it and everything cleared by the time fireworks happened and we were able to go on. Um, So I say it really takes, it would take a lot for us to push to that rain date. We really try to push through and hold it on the original date just to just to keep as many of the vendors, keep as many of the entertainment and our volunteers in place as possible. It would never happen for all those people to be able to move over to the rain date. Um, it's logistically a lot of work. So we try to hold it on the original date if we can, but if we have to move to a rain date, we will make that call the night before, and um, and we would be moved to Monday, July 5th.
0: Okay, yeah, great information. And um aside from, you know, driving home the fact that, you know, you want to watch the fireworks from inside the park and this is a big fundraiser, the biggest fundraiser for the park every year, what would you say was the biggest challenge that uh, you and the committee faced this year again coming out of COVID, <laughs> it's a in-person event and obviously it's still a little different than it was in the past. Is there Kind of uh one big challenge, a kind of
1: Oh boy, how do I pick just one well, big challenge? <laughs> three. Well, I would maybe, say maybe a
0: new challenge that you didn't have in the past. Sure. Because, again, because of coming out of COVID, something that you didn't obviously yeah. didn't plan for a year ago or two years ago. So
1: Right. The changing restrictions, you know, certainly kept us on our toes and just not being able to really anticipate, you know, there were certain states I think you could look at and say, okay, they're probably going to do this in the next couple months. Um, I feel like PA has been a little all over the place with, um, you know, kind of opening later, but then now more recently we, we opened quickly with, with not much warning. Um, so it was kind of all over the place as far as what to anticipate and what we would even be allowed to do. The challenge then became once we had a plan in place to limit capacity or to do pre-sale, things like that, I would say the, the pre-sale tickets are an unexpected challenge. We had never tried to tackle an online ticketing system before. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is one of those uh, one of those cases where you see how traditional and kind of old school lit is, um, you know, there are places out there who have been doing online ticket sales for a lot of things for a long yeah. time. Um, Let is not traditionally like that. We like to go in person. We like to pay our cash or write out a check and get our wristband um, at the local pharmacy at the local grocery store, at yeah. you know, the hardware store. So um, trying to do online ticket sales, even trying to set that up, trying to figure out what platform to use, um, which one wouldn't take as many fees for a nonprofit. Those are all mm-hmm. things we had to look into and then set up, you know, do some test runs on it, make sure it worked, And then once we started getting these ticket sales rolling in. We realized, oh, okay, we'll just mail wristbands out to people. Well, no, someone's actually got to sit and, you know, count out the wristbands, stuff them in envelopes, get the labels printed, get them to the post office, things like that. It was a lot more um, labor intensive than, you know, we, we anticipated. And it was one of those things you talked about. And then once you're actually going through it, you're like, wow, this is a lot of work. Um, so we appreciate everybody's patience this year while we figured out those things. Um, got the wristbands out in a big batch and things like that. So um, we'll definitely have some discussions about whether to keep that part of it in the future. I think it's been really helpful um, for people that live out of the area who want to get their wristbands ahead of time. We've been getting orders in from all over, from Texas, from Maine, a lot from Florida, some from North Carolina, Michigan. Um, We've got people coming in from all over. So I could see it being really helpful in that regard to people that are coming from out of the area. Um, but I would expect that a lot of locals, if we do away with that or, or don't, um, push that option so hard next year, we'll go back to probably purchasing the old traditional way, um, with the wristbands. So, well, well, and it's a great way to track, you know, the attendance. Yeah. Yeah. We've never been able to track, you know, how many from what zip code or what area code and, and different States and things like that. So, so yeah, the, 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 um, schematic side of it, I guess, is, has been interesting to to kind of follow. Yeah. So as we wrap up here, Kelly, anything else you want to add? Um, just, I think we touched on it, you know, that this is a fundraiser for the park. It is the main way that we um, are able to fund the park for the whole year, take care of the grounds, take care of the trees, trim back bushes by bridges if we have to or plant new bushes. You know, There's lots of suggestions out there on how to take care of the park, uh, but we have to actually have the funds to be able to execute some of those suggestions and, and keep up with things. So I would remind everybody, this is a fundraiser. Um, thank you for supporting the park with your ticket purchase. This is not just an entrance to an event. This is supporting the park with your ticket um, purchase. I also just want to say a huge thank you to the committee that I'm working with there's only 16 of us on this committee. And um, one of our committee members brought up something the other night. And he said, you know, typically, an event of this size would have, you know, 50, maybe 100 people working on their committees at different parts. He said, the fact that we're doing this with 16 people is really kind of amazing. And and sometimes you have to step back from it and see it from that perspective and go, yeah, this is kind of amazing what we do. Um, So I just want to say a huge To everyone on the July 4th committee who has been coming to meetings, figuring this stuff out with me, um, doing the work that that, that needs to get done, all of these things don't just happen by themselves. You know, we have someone specifically in charge of food vendors, specifically in charge of security, and of course, Jerry and Wanda McConley, who takes such amazing care of the grounds, they've been out there since May hammering stakes in the ground to start setting the fencing up. They've been in the stream setting the wooden structures up for the candles, um, things like that. There are just all kinds of things that that I hope flow seamlessly during the event, but there is a lot of work behind it and people behind it taking time out of their families, um, you know, s- spending evenings in meetings and phone calls and, and answering emails and things like that. So I just want to give a really good shout out to them and just kind of remind people that. A few months ago, we weren't even sure we'd be able to hold this event, so I feel really, really blessed that we're in the spot we are now, that things are so opened up. I never, if you would have asked me in January or February if we would be where we are now, I would not have thought we'd be anywhere close to it. So the fact that we are, we're here, you know, restrictions are are all but lifted. And we're able to really hold this event the way that we want to and the way that the community wants to celebrate it really is so special and important to us. I mean, it's Independence Day. It's freedom. We want to be able to celebrate that. And we're really glad that we can without saying it's freedom, but or it's independence, but but so here we are, you know, having having a very close to typical lit. it's July 4th celebration. And finally, buy your tickets now to avoid the long lines the day of. (laughs) Buy your tickets now. Get them ahead of time. Where where can people
0: (laughs) buy tickets in advance?
1: On liddits4thofjuly.com. There is a link there. It's on our Facebook page. It's on our website. It's on Lidit Springs Park website. Um, They can stop by the Welcome Center. The Welcome Center is open Fridays and Saturdays. We will have another ticket pickup on Um, The Saturdays leading up to the event and also the Friday night before we're going to have an information booth inside the park at this spring house um, snack stand. The snack stand's not operating this summer. So we're using that as an information booth and you can buy your tickets in person on July 2nd during the concert.
2: Uh, Thanks for just uh, being part of the podcast again. And we can't wait to see you this weekend and uh, it's, it's going to be amazing and I cannot wait.
1: My pleasure. It's been awesome talking with you guys. I I do my best to get as much of the information out there as possible. Um, thanks for being a, an avenue for that, and it's been it's been, it's always fun. You guys are always yeah. pretty easy on me. I appreciate it. Not well, not pe- too many hard questions. <laughs>